Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 1. I have come into my garden, my sister's spouse. I have plucked my myrrh with my spices. I have eaten my comb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink. Yea, drink abundantly, O beloved ones. This is prophetic, but yet at the same time, Solomon, who wrote it, may have not even realized how prophetic it was, or that it was prophetic at all. The Lord can cause us to prophesy even when we don't know that we're prophesying. It's probably not likely that every single prophecy in the Old Testament was understood by the people who wrote it as prophecy. Most of it had to have been understood as prophecy. But there are little intricate things that get said that only came to make perfect sense after Jesus came to this earth. Although the Song of Solomon is highly prophetic, and so is the book of Esther and all the books in the Bible, that doesn't mean that Solomon understood that it was prophetic. To Solomon, when he wrote this, it was generally a love song that described a love affair that he had with somebody. But he also knew that it described the relationship between the Lord and Israel. And he may or may not have also known that it was about Christ and the church to come. But he probably didn't understand that every little intricate thing he said, you can relate to Christ easily. In this verse, the bridegroom who represents Christ, is speaking, and he calls his bride his sister again because Jesus is our brother. That's what the Bible says, and that means that he protects us and watches over us. So it's all metaphor. This isn't talking about incest. It's talking about familiarity, when somebody is so close to you that they might as well be related. He doesn't only love her, he doesn't only think she's beautiful, but he thinks that she is part of him. He mentions myrrh and spices, which we already went over in previous chapters. Those all represent Christ. Myrrh is the bitterness that Jesus experienced on the cross. He also mentions honeycomb. The comb of the honey is just as precious as the honey itself. And it is highly valued as a delicious food. So she is delicate and delicious to him. He also mentions wine, which represents the blood of Jesus, and milk, which represents abundance and plenty. When you take milk from a cow, it's because the cow has plenty to feed people as well as its own. And milk also means comfort because a mother gives milk to her child. When he's with his bride, he is comforted. And he says all of his friends should drink abundantly in his garden. The friends of Jesus are the ones who obey him, and the garden of Jesus is heaven. So all of us who obey him, we are his friends, we are his sister and his bride, and we will be in his garden one day, and we will drink and eat abundantly. 2. I am sleeping, but my heart waketh, the sound of my beloved knocking, Open to me, my sister, my friend, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is filled with dew, my locks with drops of the night. There's a big choir of girls in the background, and they sing sometimes, but in the last chapter we mainly just heard the voices of the bride and bridegroom. Here the bride has said that she is asleep at this moment, and he is knocking at her door telling her to wake up. And he's calling her his dove, 
which also represents peace, and his sister and his friend. The church as a whole is a sister to Christ because he says he's our brother. And the church as a whole has a female persona because female means many. In the Bible and in all of literature, female always represents many. Female persona is important because that's us. Christ, who represents one, has the male persona. He is telling her he wants to be with her, and he's telling her to wake up. That's what Christ is telling the church today. Wake up. I want to be with you. Stop being tranquilized by religion and follow me. 3. I have put off my coat. How do I put it on? I have washed my feet. How do I defile them? This is a cute way of saying, I'm here now. I don't want to leave. He's saying, I already took my coat off. I already washed the dust off of my feet from my travels to get to you. And now I want to stay. In the last chapter, he called the bride to come to him. And now in this chapter, he is coming to the bride and saying, open the door. I want to stay with you. Jesus also said in the New Testament that he knocks on the door of our heart. And if we let him in, he will eat with us. Eating with somebody means that you have a close relationship. Whenever people eat together, it is a bonding experience. Now he's telling her that he wants to come and be with her. And just as Jesus calls us to him, he also comes to us. For my beloved sent his hand from the network and my bowels were moved for him. This is archaic language in the past. If your bowels moved, it could mean a whole lot of different things. And in the Bible, it always means that your heart is aching. So she says her heart is aching and his hand has passed through the network. The network is some sort of covering in front of the door. So he's opening the covering of the door to get to her. Five, I rose to open to my beloved and my hands dropped myrrh. She had used myrrh as lotion, and the lotion was actually dropping off of her hands, meaning she had used a lot of it. Myrrh, again, is a bitter, precious herb that has healing properties, and it represents the suffering of Christ. Yea, my fingers flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. She goes to the door to open it. Now she is going to suffer, so this myrrh represents her suffering, because we suffer in Christ as well, because we can't see him face to face, we can't hold him and touch him right now. We can't feel him or sense his presence a lot of times, even when we're following him and chasing after him. So in that sense, we suffer. Plus, we're in this world where there is a lot of pain, so we're suffering until we can meet with him on that wedding day. 6. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved withdrew. He passed on. My soul went forth when he spake. I sought him and found him not. I called him, and he answered me not. Now the beloved has mysteriously disappeared when he was just at the door. It seems strange. He wanted her, he came to the door, and then he disappeared right when she opened. Sometimes it seems like we can't really feel his presence, even though we're seeking him. But he says, if you seek me, you will find me. So she keeps seeking him in this chapter. 7. The watchmen who go round about the city found me, smote me, wounded me, keepers of the walls, lifted up my veil from off me. Normally in the Old Testament, a veil would mean that a woman is a prostitute. But women also wore it on their wedding day to show that they were only for their husband. 
and that's why she has a veil on. It's her bridal veil. But when she went out to the city to look for him, the watchmen beat her up, and they lifted her veil and, and exposed her. By lifting her veil, they were showing her that she was for them, not her Lord. So they're saying, you belong to us, not him. And they punished her for looking for him. And again, this is how a lot of people get treated when they go to church. They go to church seeking Jesus, and they get punished for seeking him, not in an overt way, but in a very subtle spiritual way. They get shut down for wanting to share their testimony. They get shut down for expressing their weaknesses and their addictions and whatever they're going through, because nobody wants to hear that. And religious regulations get put on them. You have to wear a dress. You can't put on makeup. You have to be in our church for five months before you can serve as a deacon. You have to become a member and agree to everything that we teach. We need you to show up for choir. They make the person go through all these religious hoops, but the person is seeking Jesus. They're not seeking religion. And yet the church lifts the veil off of that bride and says, you belong to us, not Jesus. Now, this isn't overt, it isn't explicitly stated, but it's showed in a lot of churches' actions and in their religious rituals. We only pray corporately, and we only pray what the prayer book says that we pray. All these rules and rituals can create a barrier between the bride and Christ. I love going to church, but it can be spiritually stifling at times. That's what the watchmen represent. Now, they're supposed to be watching and warning people, which means they're supposed to be prophets, and they're supposed to be telling people to repent. But instead of telling people to repent, they're forcing people to jump through hoops, and they're capturing people into their religion instead of letting people seek the bridegroom. The church should be full of prophets telling us to repent, but instead it's full of feel-good prophets telling us that God is going to make us rich, or religious people telling us that we have to jump through all of their social hoops. 8. I have adjured you, daughters of Jerusalem, if ye find my beloved, what do ye tell him? That I am sick with love. This is the bride talking to the chorus, which is all of the daughters of Jerusalem, saying, if you bump into Jesus, or if you bump into my bridegroom, tell him that I am looking for him, and I am in love with him. 9. What is thy beloved above any beloved, O fair among women? What is thy beloved above any beloved, that thus thou hast adjured us? Now the choir is asking the bride a question. Why is he so great that you're telling us that we need to send a message to him? The choir represents Israel, but it can also represent the world in general. The world doesn't understand why we're seeking Christ. They're like, what does he have to offer? All he's going to do is tell you not to go drinking, smoking, and carousing. They don't understand that he has everything to offer, and the world has nothing. 10. My beloved is clear and ruddy, conspicuous above a myriad. A myriad is tens of thousands. So if he were standing in a group of tens of thousands, you would spot him immediately. And she says he's clear and ruddy, which means he has a glowing complexion and it's also red. King David was red in his complexion, so it makes sense that Solomon was also red. And I don't mean a diabetic or an alcoholic or a sunburned look. I mean red, like a Native American. 
That's the color that King David was. The Bible says so. Solomon's lover is saying that he is also red. Now that doesn't mean that all Israelites are red. Some of them are black and some of them are yellow. There's Israelites of every different nationality and ethnic look. 11. His head is pure gold, fine gold, his locks flowing, dark as a raven. So he had red skin or a bronze tone with black hair. And King David most certainly did as well, because Solomon was his son, and the Bible tells us that David was ruddy and handsome. And it says his head is pure gold. Solomon's head may have had a gold crown on it, and his head may also be gold to her emotionally, because he means everything to her. 12. His eyes as doves by streams of water, washing in milk, sitting in fullness. Isn't that beautiful? His eyes are like doves washing in milk. A dove's eyes are almond-shaped, and that is the most beautiful shape that anybody's eye can ever be. He has the eyes of doves, just like she does. And I love how it says that it's like doves washing in milk because that means that the white of his eyes is very white. He doesn't have bloodshot eyes or yellow eyes. He has white eyes, so he's very healthy. And it says sitting in fullness as well, so he has larger eyes than normal, which would make him more handsome. It's also saying his eyes are blue because the doves are sitting by streams of water. 13. His cheeks as a bed of the spice, towers of perfumes. His lips are lilies, dropping, flowing myrrh. The petals of a lily could be compared to a lip opening. And she says that it drops myrrh, which again means that in him there is beautiful perfume, beautiful scents, and it also is mentioning again the bitterness that Jesus suffered. 14. His hands rings of gold set with beryl, his heart bright ivory covered with sapphires. And this is a great way to describe Jesus. In the next book that we're going to read, the book of Isaiah, I think it will describe the Lord's throne and all the sapphire and gold and incredible beauty that is around the throne of God. And she is saying that he himself is like jewelry. He has gold rings on his hands, which Solomon probably did, and beryl, so he has rubies, and she says his heart is a bright white ivory. His heart itself is like something very expensive and precious, and it's covered with sapphires. Sapphires are blue stones, and sapphire is one of the colors at the throne of God that we're going to read about in, I believe, Isaiah and Ezekiel. It will describe the throne of God. 15. His limbs pillars of marble, founded on sockets of fine gold, his appearance as Lebanon choice as the cedars. So he stands tall like a cedar tree. His limbs are like marble. So he doesn't have hairy limbs because it has a marble look to it. 16. His mouth is sweetness and all of him desirable. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. That last line as well is sung by the bride to the chorus. So she's actually singing to all the girls in the background and telling him that her lover is the best and the most desirable, and he is sweet to her as well. And that concludes Song of Solomon chapter 5.